You are listening to the Pine Law Church Podcast, where believers in Jesus Christ are seeking to know God and to be fully known by God. As always, we thank all of our listeners for your faithfulness in supporting the ministry of Pine Law Church. You can give online by going to tithe.ly. We pray that you are blessed by the hearing and the reading of God's Word. And we are in the home stretch of this series that we've been in for the last eight weeks. We spent the, the last two months in this series called Strong in the Lord, and we've been diving into uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesian Christians, and, and we've been talking about putting on the full armor of God. Uh, here's the theme. Why do we need to be strong in the Lord? Because our power is, is not enough. Why do we need to be strong in the Lord? Because we are in a war. Uh, Revelation 12, 7 says, and there was war in heaven. It is declared. Uh, it has been stated. We can see it. We're living in it every day. All you have to do is turn on the TV or swipe your phone and check it out. And you can see uh, spiritual warfare around us. Maybe all you have to do is walk into your living room or your kitchen or your workplace to see spiritual warfare among us in the world today. Uh, and we need to understand this. We need to understand that we live in two realms. We live in a spiritual realm. We live in a material realm. We live in a physical realm, in a seen realm, and we also live in an unseen realm. Uh, and there is spiritual warfare that is underpinning every material struggle that we encounter each day. Uh, and so we're in Ephesians, and, and this letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to the Christians in Ephesus in the early church when the church had just formed, which is in uh, in, in Ephesians, and Ephesus was in modern-day Turkey, across the Mediterranean basin, the church had, had grown. And Paul writes this letter to the Ephesian Christians, and he tells them, he says, here's some things you need to know. Here's some practical things. Here's some pragmatic things about parenting. Here's some things about grace. Here's some things about Jesus Christ. Here's some things that you need to know. Uh, and then at the end of the letter, he goes into this discourse on the armor of God, and he says this. Ephesians 10, 6, uh, Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 18. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In our verse for today, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. This is the Word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. There's this progression in this passage that we see sort of unfold as Paul has gone through this entire letter and then he starts nailing it down and he's telling us exactly how we're to apply uh, all of the things that he's already told us about 
uh, in this letter, we've got the belt of truth around our waist and the breastplate of God's righteousness on our chest, protecting our most vulnerable parts and the shoes of the gospel of peace that prepare us to do battle, the shield of faith that we hold up to protect us from the fiery arrows as we, as we advance into enemy territory and the, uh, the, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Uh, and then at the very end, Paul gives us the absolute most important weapon that we have in our, in our armament to do spiritual battle. The most important thing that we could possibly do, Paul says, is pray. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Pray, pray, pray. The greatest weapon that you have in your armament, the greatest weapon you have at your disposal against the powers of darkness is prayer. In all these material and physical illustrations that Paul uses to share with us how to apply uh, the word of God in our lives to do battle, he concludes this passage on the armor of God by telling us that our weapons are not physical, they're spiritual, and the greatest weapon that you have is the ability to pray, to cry out to God, to pray. Uh, so, so let me just ask you, how many of you would say, I absolutely believe in the power of prayer? By show of hands. How many of you would also say, I probably don't pray like I should? Pretty much everybody that raised their hand a minute ago and said, I believe in the power of prayer also says, I probably don't pray like I should. I, I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that God hears our prayers, but I probably don't pray like I should. And I wonder, you know, in Matthew 21, Jesus tells us my house shall be called a house of prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer. So many of us fail to live into this. I love what Barbara Brown Taylor says in her book an altar in the world. She said, to say I love God, but I do not pray much is like saying I love life, but I do not breathe much. Why is it that it, we know that we have a good God who answers our prayers, who listens, who hears us when we cry out, uh, and yet so many of us don't pray as we should. I think there's a, probably a lot of reasons, and I'm going to throw a couple out there that I think probably maybe you share with me. I don't know. Uh, I think a lot of us probably don't know if we're doing it right. We, we struggle. We don't really know how to pray. We don't feel confident in our prayers. We lack this confidence and we think, am I doing it right? Am I messing this up? Is God listening to me? Uh, some of you may actually, I don't know if, uh, you may actually get bored while you're praying. I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes I'll be praying and, and it's, I hate to actually admit this in front of you in a public space and actually putting it out there for everybody. Uh, but there have been times that I've been known to Maybe nod off a little bit while I'm praying. Is that sad? Is that bad? That's terrible. Is anybody else like that? Is anybody else? Okay, thank you so much. God bless you for sharing in the shame of falling asleep. You're sitting there praying and you're going, God, just do a miracle. You know, like, I mean, how insulting must that be? You know, like, do this miracle. How bad is that? Another reason I think that we struggle sometimes is... It's because, you know, if you're like me, you got some serious ADD. I don't know. You're praying and you say, God, do this miracle. And you think miracle whip. And you think, I want a sandwich. And I need to go to the store because we don't have any bread. And you're like, man, I'm like, where was I? You know, like I was praying for this miracle. And like I ended up somewhere totally different. Uh, another thing you may have encountered. I don't know if this is you, if we share this. Uh, but have you ever been to like a prayer gathering where you, everybody was praying? Maybe you were even holding hands or something. 
and you got like the Incredible Hulk on one side, like squeezing the life out of your hand, and then you got floppy fish hand guy on the other side, and every time the prayer gets ramped up, this guy on the right's like choking the life out of your hand, and you're like, ugh. Or how about this? How about you're in a prayer gathering, or you're with some people, and you realize that you've got like Moses' little brother standing next to you, and he's like, praying like you know when joshua went to battle lord you said that you know you're not for us or against us but god in matthew you said you're always with us and you're like he's binding up demons and like calling down angels and you're like dang man that's good i can't pray like that guy like you're this is embarrassing that's good and you're just thinking if i was god i would answer that guy's prayer but i don't know about mine you know like i would definitely hear what he's saying i don't know if what your struggle is with prayer, like where the dissonance is between I believe in prayer, but I don't do it like I should. Uh, and I don't know, maybe you're sharing some of these things with me, and maybe you've lost all respect for your pastor in the last two minutes. I have no idea. Whatever your truth is about why you don't pray the way you should, my hope today is that God will do a work in us that will move us to pray big prayers and bold prayers that are powerful and passionate. Uh, and we're going to look specifically at a prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians, in the same letter we've been studying. Uh, but first I wanna share with you two big mistakes I think that we make uh, when it comes to prayer. The first mistake I think we make oftentimes is that our prayers are often too small. I think we pray small prayers, safe prayers. We like to keep them small. We think we'll pray this small little prayer and it'll be okay. And then I think the second thing, uh, and these are very tied together, is that we pray too general. Too generally, too, our prayers are too general. They're not specific. They lack specificity. They're too small. They're too general. Uh, we pray to God, you know, I, I believe so many of our prayers are, are, are something like, God, thank you for this day. And, uh, you know, I pray you bless me. And so and so, and I wonder if God's going, you, if you looked around, like, I mean, like I, I realized this morning, like I have two refrigerators at our house, like because our, we've got five kids for one thing, but I'm thinking we actually have enough food to put in two refrigerators where we actually need a second. I'm thinking if God's like, we're praying, will you bless me? I'm, Do you realize where you live and how blessed you already are? Look around you, like look around. Or maybe we pray a prayer like, God, will you be with me or be with so-and-so while you're traveling? And, and it's, that's great. I'm not, don't mean to diminish the faithfulness of those prayers, but I wonder if God says, I have already told you that I would never leave you or forsake you. Sure, I'll do it, but I wonder if God's like, come on, man. Like, give me something big. Like, come on, ask me something that will help to show off my glory in the world. Give me something big. I wonder if the lack of specificity in our prayers and the lack of power ever insults the heart of God. I could do so much more if you just had faith to ask me. You know, many of us do this, and I'm guilty myself. General, small prayers, whatever they may be. And I'm going to encourage you to pray big, bold, and specific and powerful prayers because I believe that God hears those prayers. I believe that God, I believe oftentimes they're more in, in line with the will of God than the general and the small prayers that we pray. James actually says you do not have because we do not ask. We ask specific, bold, powerful prayers. There's this crazy story about Martin Luther, who's the father of the Reformation back in the 1500s. Uh, he, uh, he had a friend by the name of Friedrich Myconius. 
and this was sort of his assistant that was helping him in reforming the church. They were undergoing this enormous task. And in uh, 1540, Myconius fell deathly ill and was on his deathbed. He was, it, death was imminent. He was sick, uh, and he wrote a farewell letter to Luther saying, you know, the end is near. I love you, uh, and, and all this kind of stuff. And Luther would not stand for it. He wouldn't have it. Uh, instead of praying a safe, general prayer, may the Lord be with you uh, and comfort you. And all, he prayed this massive, specific prayer uh, that was a faith-filled prayer. And, and he wrote this back to his friend Myconius. And this is what Luther wrote. He said, I command you in the name of God to live because I still have need of you in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that you are dead, but will permit you to survive me. For this I am praying because I seek only to glorify the name of God. Boom! Like that's a big, faith-filled, specific prayer that he prayed. And what's even crazier about this is that Myconius had already lost the ability to speak. He was, he was very sick, uh, and they thought he was hours away from death. And when he heard this letter, it engaged his faith in a way. He was literally, he, he walked away from this situation. Uh, and what's even crazier about this specific prayer was the specific response. And it, it, he actually, you know when he died? Six years later, two months after Martin Luther. Two months. The specific response and the specific uh, request this faith-filled prayer of a man who had big enough faith to believe that all things are possible uh, with God. We pray bold prayers and we pray specific prayers. And I want to share this specific, bold, faith-filled prayer from Paul's letter to the Ephesians where Paul is just is bold. He pours out his heart in a specific way and he shows us what it means to pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. If you just turn a couple of pages back from where we started, from where this series has been going, in, in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul prays this prayer, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 19. For this reason, I bow my knees. I think that's worth noting. He, there's a posture to prayer. He spells it out for us. For this reason, I bow my knees. I don't know what your posture is for prayer. I don't know if you have a chair. I don't know if you have a time of day. I don't know if you have a certain room that you go to to pray. But Paul lays it out. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. So he, he lays out the posture, and he lays out the purpose, the person that I'm praying to. Who is it that I'm praying to? This is how I'm praying. This is who I'm praying to. And then he dives in at verse 16. He says, I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul prays this bold and specific prayer. He tells us there is a posture. He defines who he's talking to and then he dives in uh, and he prays specifically 
for you. For you. For the power to comprehend with all the saints how much God loves you. To comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth of God's love for you. And to know God's love the love of Christ that surpasses all understanding so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now, when I read this prayer in Ephesians, I think it's, a, it's easy for a lot of us to read this book and we read it informationally. We read it and we look and we try to gain some information, some context, some history, a historical perspective where we see it and we think, this is a great prayer that Paul prayed, you know, some 2,000 years ago to the Gentiles. And maybe we read it to try to gain some knowledge or some understanding. But Paul doesn't only model for us how to pray in this passage. He tells us what to pray. He tells us exactly what to pray as our first line of defense. That you may be able to comprehend, that you may have the power to comprehend the goodness of God. How much he loves you. Listen, it, what I want us all to understand is spouses, spouses, if, uh, when your marriage is under attack and you're having static with your other half every day, uh, when your husband or wife is somehow lost and you feel like things are just hanging on by a thread uh, and you're trying everything you know to do to make things better, the best thing you can do, the best thing you can do for your spouse, the best thing you can do for your marriage is you can pray that your spouse, that he or she would have the power to understand how much God loves them. The breadth and length and width and height of God's love. Because let me tell you something, if you've been struggling in your marriage and we've got this spiritual warfare that underpins everything and we're fighting this fight with our material weaponry, and we're trying to understand and fix the problem, then we are just gonna keep on struggling. You're wearing yourself out because when you pray that they will have the power to comprehend an incomprehensible love that is poured out for them, there's no other choice but to be transformed as we step into that relationship. Parents, if your child is struggling, if your kid is struggling and lost and hurting, uh, when your child is, uh, is under attack and you're watching it, the most powerful thing you can do for your child is you can pray that they have the power to comprehend with all the saints how much God loves them. That Christ will dwell in their hearts. And you may have been trying to rescue them for years. There, there will be a day when you're not there to rescue them anymore, but there will not be a day when God is not there to walk with them through whatever it is that they're enduring. And you pray this prayer over them and you ensure that no matter what they're going through, there's something that is so much greater. If you have a parent, and I might look at a couple of you, if you have a parent that's struggling, if you have a parent that's in a difficult place, and I know several of you do. I actually shared this post last week. It was a quote from Charles Spurgeon, and it said, a Bible that's fallen apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Uh, and, and, and one of you commented on it, Holly commented on it actually, and it said, love this, my daddy's Bible practically in tatters as he slips further away, he remains close to God. He says the prayer over the meals every day. Listen, if you have a parent or a loved one who is slipping away, who is 
struggling, even to the point of maybe not remembering your name, the most powerful thing that you can do is you can pray that they would have the power to comprehend the love of God, the, a love that was poured out, that, that he or she could have the power to comprehend and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all understanding, that they may be filled with all the fullness of God. And this prayer isn't just reserved for those that we love. We pray this prayer over our enemies. We pray that they could know the love of God. We pray that for those that are attacking us, those that are, we're struggling with, those that we see in our workplace or those in our family that we feel are just attacking us uh, and engaging in the other side of this spiritual warfare, we pray that they, our enemy, this is how we live into the calling of Christ to pray for our enemy. We pray that they know and comprehend the love of God. It's one of the most important prayers that we can pray. Is the first line of defense uh, is that others may have the power to know, to know this immense and powerful love that is poured out for each of us. And, and I'll tell you, I pray, I really pray for you today, along with Paul, along with the saints, along with the apostles, I pray that you have the power, you have the power to comprehend how much, how much God loves you. That he would live life on this earth, go to the cross and die and raise from the dead for, for you. And if it had only been you, he would have done the same thing. I mean, that's why we're here today, right? We're here today because it doesn't matter how many times you've shown up here on Sunday or how many times you've knelt at the altar or how many times you've sung the old hymn or prayed the prayer uh, that some of us go through life and we forget and we fall away and it doesn't matter how many times we've engaged in this thing. Some of, some of us today are one prayer away one prayer away from different circumstances, one prayer away, one prayer of surrender away from a different life, one prayer of repentance away from freedom, one prayer away from changing everything as we sit in the confidence that God loves you. So I just want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Y'all could repeat as we pray along and the band can, can head back up this way. So I want to invite everybody to, to, to pray this prayer with me, if you could. Heavenly Father, I come here today to give you all of my life. I ask that you give me power to comprehend an incomprehensible love. The love of your son, Jesus Christ. I pray that you empower me to lift up this prayer for those I love, 
for those I care for, and even for those I don't engage with, those that I'm in battle with. I pray your blessing upon their life. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we all pray. Amen.